Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So my message today is entitled The Incredible Generational Impact of Doing It God's Way. The incredible generational impact of doing it God's way. I think I'll do it. I'll say that one more time. The incredible generation impact, generational impact of doing it God's way. What's doing it? Living your life, walking in God's word, and then taking your children and grandchildren along on the journey. By the way, we're called as a family. Tell your children, tell your grandchildren. Often, we're called as a family. You know, uh, it's great. I like, how, I like being older now. It's good. Because I've made decisions back then that were not always perfect, but made decisions that were costly back then at the time for me coming out of a very broken family, very mixed up family, very burnt family, relationally burnt, broken, poverty. But I see that if we will do life God's way, if then the impact is incredible. Firstly, internally, in your own heart, in your own life, but then it will be incredible what God will be able to do through you and then also through your children and grandchildren in Jesus' Name. I'm taking them with me. So, but you know, you can go to church and not do it God's way. You can go to church and not do it God's way. You can sit here every week. Some of you do. You sit every week, come to church, but you're not doing it God's way. And, the, and what happens is we think, oh, nobody knows. But it's not about not nobody knows. It's about there's no power operating in you, which means if there's no power and God's not operating in you, then there's really no joy, not real joy. There's not real fulfilment. Not, there's not real fulfilment. There's, you know, you, you, you work at coming up with things, you know, to make it look joyous and look fulfilled. Whereas if you're doing it God's way, Though at times it is costly choosing God's will over your will, but when you do the long-term ramifications for your life, your health, your emotional health, your mental health, uh, your finances, <laughs> every area is impacted when we do it God's way. When all of us, listen, God gives free will to and you can choose to do it your way. I just wanna encourage everybody, I could have done that. I could have done it my way. That would have been the most easiest thing for me just to do my thing, my way. Thank you, Rosalind. But I had to, what she was saying was, you need to apply the Word of God to your life, Jared, and allow the Word of God to discipline you. Don't try and discipline God. (laughs) Some of us are trying to discipline God and organise Him rather than let Him and His Word organise me. And um, so... I want to encourage everybody, if even now, it depends, doesn't matter where you're at, even now, if you make some decisions, say, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. Even if you haven't up to this point, the impact of that decision can be incredible. Though it's cost, it may cost you humility. It may cost you making changes. It may cost you... <laughs> um, sorry, I keep thinking about Rosalind because she's so ripped into me. Um, she didn't really, but 
she did at that time in my life because even then I had this big justice victim thing going. So I was justice and I'm a victim, justice and I'm a victim. And here's what God said to me, for everybody who's the, all my justice warriors and you know victims and sensitive to every reaction. God said to me, Jared, I'm not gonna treat you like a victim any longer. He said, you may do that. I'm not doing that. And I was like, what do you mean? And God was like, said to me, I'm gonna treat you as a victor now, not a victim. Well, yeah, it was good, but mm. <laughs> because that meant that God was gonna send like Roslands along and people around me and the Word of God to say to me, hey, get up, get up. And when I thanked Rosalind last week, you know, I wasn't joking. I was flashing back in time thinking, you know, if she didn't say that and I didn't, I didn't end up responding, I wouldn't have been able to do and do what we're doing today. And uh, I probably would have bounced out of the kingdom into my own world and today be in a world of multitude of problems. But uh, I had to say, Lord, help me do it your way. Yeah. You know, the Scripture has got stories of people who did it their way versus doing it God's way. And I thought I'd just bring out one of the most powerful ones in God's Word today in Genesis 17. So uh, I'm going to read from the ESV. And it's the story of Abram and Sarah, who at 99 years of age, the Lord appears to them, appears actually to Abram and says, uh, just as you're getting ready to leave the planet and thinking it's all over, God says, I'm just getting started. Let me read it to you. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to your, you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Wow. And then as you go down to verse 15, same passage, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Right there, God, at the end of their lives is now declaring and giving them a promise. This is not the end, this is the beginning. You think it's all over by your life and your body and your, where you find yourself uh, in age on the planet. And God says, no, in actual fact, I'm gonna do a miracle right now. And He says, and you're gonna give, uh, Sarah, who becomes Sarah is gonna give birth 
um, to a son and that son Isaac is gonna be the miracle, the promise. Everybody, this is talking to all of us again too. You can have the natural life or the supernatural life. This is for every person on planet Earth. You can have a natural life or a supernatural life. Let me say it again. You can have a natural life or a supernatural life. But the doorway into God's kingdom, which few want to take, is humility. That's when you hear people, oh, I don't believe in God. Look, what they're really saying is, I'm not humble, I'm not humble, I'm not humble. Because when you're not humble, you cannot meet with God. And at the point where I met with God all those years ago was when I humbled myself and said, I don't know it all. I'm not God. A lot of people give you a lot of credibility. If you're there, then touch my life, change my life, come into my life. It's always humility that moves God. And so here when the Bible says, you know, Sarai's name's gonna change. Actually, her name meant princess, my princess, uh, Sarai. But when she became Sarah, Sarah means princess for all. Means what I'm gonna do uh, in her life and through her, she's gonna impact the whole world, (laughs) which is absolutely incredible. Can I encourage you too, everybody, in that time that, uh, not having a child was a big, a big challenge. Uh, children were seen as everything and uh, it was a big challenge and often they would take another wife and, or whatever to have a child. Um, and by the way too, if you have not had a child, can I just let you know right now, God is not mad with you. If you've not had a child, God is not mad with you. Sue and I had, uh, in, go back in time, we had a lot of trouble having children and, uh, and Sue and I, Work, had to work through from broken backgrounds and having our, we were parenting our parents and we had no one speaking to us and Sue and I had to come to work it through and we realised God is not mad with us. Life happens and Sue and I got to a place where we said, God, if we don't have children, help us. We were like just early 20s. We held hands and said, Lord, help us now to stay serving You. Help us to get better and not bitter and Lord, help us to follow You no matter what's happening in our life right now. But we had the revelation and we knew God is not saying I'm angry with You, the fact that this was happening to us at that time. We went on to have children, not everybody does. But I remember Sue saying to me at that time, and it was such a faith statement, she said, if we don't have children, I'll love children one way or another. And I just loved her faith statement, which really ministered to me. Husbands and wives minister to each other. So faith into each other. And at that time when I didn't have faith for the, I just felt very, a dark cloud come over from it all because we'd had so many troubles in childhood. Now this was like, oh my gosh, here's another one. And, uh, and when Sue said, look, I will love a child. We will love a child one way or another. And I just thought that was absolutely powerful faith at that time. And as I said, uh, we went on to have children, but it doesn't mean God loves you or doesn't love you, uh, whether you have children or don't have children. You know, what happened was um, because they had to wait, uh, they had had gone on and Sarah had come up with an idea and schemed to have a son according to their own timing. Sarah schemed and said to Abraham, listen, go and sleep with my maidservant, Hagar, and, uh, and we'll have a child, you know, now. And so in their own timing, they had uh, a son called Ishmael, by the way, who the Bible does say God had a heart towards. 
But at that time, it, we realised that what they were really doing, Sarah had suggested it and Abraham had jumped on and said, okay, and I'm sure he wasn't too uh, hip up about that whole thing, thinking, oh, well, okay, uh, you're into this. But at that time, everybody, he needed to say to his wife, no, let's trust God. Husbands and wives help each other in times of doubt. Husbands and wives help each other in times of challenge. Husbands and wives help each other. We all ended up in sin and bondage because in the garden, the Bible says that when the enemy tempted um, Adam and Eve with the only tree in the garden that God said, God said, enjoy everything else, but don't eat of that. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, the Bible says Eve was deceived, but when she passed the apple to Adam, he ate of it. So Adam needed to say to his wife, honey, put the apple down because that God has told us that spiritually, surely we'll die. Everybody, husbands and wives, help each other and say, honey, put the apple down. (laughs) Put the apple down. What is the apple for some of us? Spirit of uh, unbelief. It can be a spirit of unforgiveness. It can be a spirit of offence. Rather than going, joining your husband and wife and going, all right, I'll join in on that. All right, I'll back you in that. We need to say, no, 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 don't. Don't enter in, put the apple of unbelief down, put the apple of bitterness down, put the apple of offence down. And Abraham needed to uh, say to his wife, no, wait on God. And uh, I wanna encourage everybody, husbands and wives, help each other and help each other go for God. When your husband or wife starts going for God, don't go, oh no, I'll just put you back in your box there. Because you might love me less. You might da-da-da-da less. You might not do that. You might, no, 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 you just say, go, honey, run. Go for God. Go forward, honey, go for God. Go for God. Go for God. In actual fact, when you release, what you, when you love somebody and say, hey, come on, go, it'll all come back to you. In our holding each other in bondage and you know, some kind of semi-little control, we actually limit the love and the possibilities of what God can do in our partner or in our children. Some of us got children there, children over here. No, let them go to God. Let, release them to God. My children haven't all left me. Soon I've thrown them to God, thrown them to church, thrown them to other leaders and said, help serve that youth leader, help serving kids. And the boys would say, I don't necessarily like that person. I said, well, get over it. God put them there. <laughs> get over it and go and say sorry to that leader in kids you're working with. Go on, we throw them in there. Did it hurt them? No, they moved five minutes from, all of, from us. Jordy and B live eight minutes. Sean lives five minutes. And Nathan moved five minutes. I said to them, do you guys think you can move a little bit further away from us? And Nathan's, and Jordan said to me, no, Dad, no, Dad, we are the functional generation. We're living close. <laughs> and uh, because that's my family's all scattered from broken family, from broken relationships, from alcoholism, not knowing God. They're scattered around the country. And then in one generation, my, uh, our kids and, and beautiful daughter-in-laws live five to 10 minutes away. And I'm like, listen, we didn't lose them by throwing them to God. We won them. We didn't lose them by giving it. We won them. <laughs> but so many parents, oh no, over here, kids over here. No, don't get involved. No, don't get involved. No, don't. <sighs> You'd be surprised when they move across the country. You're like, I wonder why they move across the country. Because we stopped them from getting, entering into God's will. 
God had a plan all the time, but in our stopping and our controlling, we actually limited what God was actually going to do right here at home. This is a good message. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes our decisions to do it God's way, we need to realise that uh, we're not always going to understand. I'm not always understood everything God was doing at 19, 20, 21, 25, 30. Why don't I understand? Well, Isaiah nails it when it says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Everybody stop trying to get God to do your ways. <laughs> God to do your thinking. God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Why do you keep thinking they are? God says, my ways aren't your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God's, your, God's lowest way is higher than your highest way. God's lowest way is higher than your highest way. And God says, are my thoughts than your thoughts? So we need to say, Lord, help me to apply what you've said, but not keep spending the rest of my life questioning you and your ways and your thoughts, because you're never going to get it all. There's a whole lot I understand now being a Christian for 40 years, walking with the Lord, not just going to church, walking with the Lord, not just going to church, walking with the Lord, that I get now, but the penny drops year over years. Oh, then another, oh, wow, now I see why. Oh, wow, now I see why. I just think, Lord, why don't you just let everybody sleep around when I got saved? What's the big problem with that? You big party killjoy, God. And then God showed me within the first two years, no, no, I'm trying to protect your mind and your heart and your body. And He said, because my peop people end up... Uh, addicted and broken and chained to sex, chained to drink, chained to alcohol. They're all chained. Then they're mentally chained. Then their children are chained. They're insecure. The children are insecure. The grandchildren are insecure. They're all fighting. Everybody's broke. And God said, it started back here when I said, come out from among them and be holy as I'm holy. And then God said, I give you, God says marriage is between one couple, one man, one woman. He says, that's His way. And God says, if we apply His way, then I, why is that? Is it because He wants you being bored? No, it's because He's trying to bring security to hearts. People think, oh, that's no, so boring. I couldn't be with somebody that long. Yeah, you could. Because you might stop drinking. You might stop drugging. You might stop mental illness. You might stop depression. Because what you're doing is over years, you're staying together and working together. And so, and so and Sue and I get that now. Both are such broken childhoods. We've had days and months and years where we've like, okay, we have to push through here because we have no solid ground naturally to build life on a marriage on a family on. But we've built on God and we stayed together and now it's 38 years at the end of the year. Woo! Amazing. And, uh, and I thank God for Sue. She's an amazing, beautiful person who's been a beautiful wife, beautiful mother to our children. But both of us, her dad's on marriage four, we had no clue, but we discovered, oh my gosh, God, this is about security. You wanted us secure that even when we wanted to go and we wanted to like, we're dealing with our pain from the past and, and deal how we respond. God's like, yeah, but I want security for you. Security with me, security with one another, security for the boys, security for the grandchildren. God says, no, no, the enemy has made sex their God and they're all driven and chained and empty. 
He said, but my people, their hearts are being filled. They come to me, the water of life, the bread of life, and they're being chained. Does that mean your life and your marriage will be perfect? No, especially in this era. But God's intention the whole time is your protection and my protection. It's your protection and my protection. Um, yeah. So God ultimately always has a plan, everybody. He has a plan for you, has a plan for me. If we surrender to Him, ultimately His plan brings about great impact. And it's not in the next three months. Many of us are like, Jesus, I'll serve you if in three months you've changed the whole world. God's like, no, no, serve me anyway. And if you serve me anyway, and you keep rocking up and keep turning up and keep being faithful, then down the track, you'll get like me to 42 years now going, well, how do we get here? And how am I like this? Not perfect, but how do I get to this freedom? Because we didn't bail. (laughs) Don't bail. Don't bail. Anything worth having, it's going to take some oomph. So I want to encourage you, don't settle for second best. You know, when Abraham's natural body was as good as dead, his body was as good as dead. And then God gave him a seed that was so potent that when it hit Sarah's 100-year-old womb, it brought it back to life. Her womb came to life and the baby born Isaac 42 generations later, Mary would give birth to Jesus, who Jesus would later say, I'm of the seed of Abraham. 42 generations later. So so God was able to do a miracle as they finally got into agreement. Everybody get into agreement with God. God can do something so potent in your life. If you will say, Lord, I'm in agreement with you. Father, I give you my compromise. I give you my wishy-washy-ness. Do you know the Bible says this? It says, the man or woman who is double-minded. Oh yeah, I wanna be a Christian, I'm over here, but I'm also in the world. I wanna go for God, but I'm over here. The Bible says the man or woman who's double-minded is unstable in all their ways. The Bible says mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you will be unstable everywhere until you go, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Joshua 24, you need to make it your Scripture. Is it 24, 24? Joshua 24, 24. I think Julia's nodding at me. I'll take it as an amen. (laughs) Julia knows. The Bible says, as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. You have to make that decision. Guys, girls, you, there's a point where you have to go, okay, I'm in or I'm out. Otherwise you'll be unstable in all your ways. Unstable all your ways. Galatians 3 says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God, listen, through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God's not saying, hey, the girls can't get in, only the men or the, the, only the girls can get in, the men can't get in. He's saying, no, no, no. When you put faith in me, everybody's in, Jew and non-Jew. And he says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Once again, we are Abraham's seed. By their faith and by Isaac, hello, we are today children 
of God by faith as well. That's why you cannot be a Christian by religious activity. You can't be a Christian by being religious. You can't be a Christian by doing Christmas and Easter. You can't be a Christian by doing nice things for people and thinking, well, I'm in because I'm doing nice things. No, salvation is only by faith. The Bible says it's not of works, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It's not of works, lest any man or woman says, I got into heaven by what I did. No, it's not. It's by faith alone, putting your trust, your heart in what Jesus Christ did on the cross is the only way you can be saved. You can, it's the only way you can be saved. So, you, so what God wants us to do in life is give birth to spiritual things. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 46, however, the spiritual is not first. Sorry, all the spiritual people. It says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The Bible says spiritual is not first. Some of us go straight to the spiritual. Why? Because I don't want to look at my character. We go straight to the spiritual. Why? Because I don't want to look at my life. I'd rather just talk spiritual chat. And the Bible says, hang on, the spiritual is not first. So many people don't like this scripture. I think a lot of people have ripped it probably out of their Bible. Bible says not first, it's natural. So we need to understand that. That's why God says, um, you know, uh, the family is a picture of God's plan, also a plan for the church. Having children, God says, take care of them first. That's your first church. First church is your family, but just don't keep them out of the church. And, uh, and then also to then give birth to spiritual children. You'll notice with us with church planting, sometimes we're doing something different to what I notice a lot of other churches do, is that we aim to church plant from people in our house. Why? It's the biblical directive. But sometimes churches are not, they're, they're excited and they start church planting with people from all over the place. Over here, they grab a worship leader, they grab this, they grab a pastor, they grab a couple. And I'm always like, hmm, I don't know about that. Because the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. In the same way, natural children, Sue and I, in the calling we God has on our life, has called us to give birth to spiritual children. And you will notice that with our church planning, Pastor Eli and Fatima got saved at our church, Bible College, sent them to Melbourne. Um, Pastor Liam and Lisa Clark saved at our church in the Bible College, send them to Africa. Pastor Matthias and Nicole, two Germans who were backpacking, got saved at our church, went to the Bible College, sent them where? Germany. Who have I forgotten? Pastor Spencer and Leah. Uh, Pastor Leah got saved in our church. Pastor Spencer was an add-on. <laughs> he was God sent him. He was added to Global Heart Church all those years ago to help us pastorally. And obviously we were there to help him and teach him. And then he helped us get Tenacious House started, became a son of the house. Then we sent him out to uh, Montreal. Everybody... I'm not trying to do a business thing. Oh, let's get them. Let's get that couple. Let's get that person. Let's get, we're not a business. We're the kingdom of God. And I think a lot of churches have fallen over over the years and a lot of things have kind of gone skew with many times because it's people who are excited, but not obedient. People who are doing it their way. Let's still get a little Ishmael going here. I think if we put it together, rather than what did God say? So you guys need to know every church that we've started, everything that we're doing in the world, we at no stage said, let's sit down and get a strategy. We said, God, how do you want us to help us to obey you? What do you want us to do? Help us to obey you. People come, I have passed in, what's your strategy? I don't have any. 
It's obey God. Abraham and Sarah, obey God. Obey God. So when they're like, well, why did you go there? Because we obeyed God. God told us to go there. Why did you start a rehabilitation centre? Because God told me four years to start it. I was rebellious, said no. And then after four years, I surrendered. <laughs> See, I have issues too, right? <laughs> For those who don't know, God told me four years before I started, um, re- Tenacious House started. I said to the Lord, start it yourself. <sighs> yeah, I take time too. But I didn't go into a counterfeit, didn't go into an Ishmael. So we're going, Lord, what do you want us to do? He goes, do that. Then people go, where are you going? Zambia. And then I ended up passing from the other east coast. Are you going to go to Berlin in Germany? I went, no. He goes, oh, wouldn't you go to Berlin? I went, no, God didn't have to go to Berlin. He said, go to Hamburg, Germany. Give birth to what God told you to do. Then when it's, when, then when it's birth, they all have different seasons, different things go on. But ultimately we know at church, God birthed it. And so God's going to grow it. We love it, we serve it, we bless it. We do what we are called to do, but ultimately it's God's plan and God's will. Same for me, you guys can know too in church life, so many people go off and take a microphone. Well, you guys need to know that when, for me, I had four pastors tell me to go to Bible college. And I was like, really? You guys are crazy. Then I had a pastor, senior pastor of the church tell me I'm gonna be an intern pastor. And I was like, I really don't think that's a good idea with my background, but anyway. And then he said, no, I think you should do it. I surrendered to that. Then I surrendered to uh, the eldership and the team praying for me to come onto the staff. Then I surrendered to the Assemblies of God, Australian Christian Churches, was accountable there. Then I got sent out to London, was accountable there. Then I went to the Ukraine, was prayed to go and help there in the Ukraine. Then I was sent and prayed from London to plant Global Heart Church, Perth. Do you know what? There's not a lot of people like me. I'm always like, where, how did you get here? They're like, oh, well, the Lord just, I'm not really. You better make sure that you got sent into something because too many people are doing Ishmael's that God didn't have a whole lot to do with when actually it's meant to be Isaac's. Do it from a surrendered place in Jesus' Name. <laughs> I'm always, have you ever been surprised when somebody who you know, you've never heard them pray, you never see them pray, they never talk about praying and suddenly they want to do their thing and then they say to you, oh, look, I'm just praying about it at the moment. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't seen you pray about it before. Um, what's happening there? Here's a, let me tell you, 40 years, let me teach you. If you're doing God's thing, I always go first to the Word of God. Not, I say, what does the Bible say? Because flesh and spirit are close. Flesh and emotion are close. Depending on the week I've had, sometimes I, it's totally God, <laughs> totally the devil, depending on the week I've had, because my emotion can be deceptive. Make sure everybody that you are a Christian who goes, I'm going to the Word of God. I'm obeying the Word of God. That's my foundation. And then I'm praying that the Lord will help me to apply the Word He gave me. You're good. Watch out for the Christians. I'm just praying about it. I'm like, okay, what that means is you're about to bypass God's Word to get your way. Wow, you're getting this for free. This is amazing. I was like, really? Because everything that God does is from His eternal Word. Even when Sue and I went with the London church, and so I said to Sue, I don't know what we're gonna do here. 
And I said, I'm just going to stay. We prayed, but I said, I'm going to just be in, my, in the Word. We will do it on what the Word of God says to us. And uh, I think you remember, it was Jeremiah 13, 20, when it was only a day or two later. And I said, Lord, do you want us to go north or south? And the Scripture said, look to the north, for there is your beautiful sheep. We'll obey the Word, not, hey, I'm praying about it, which is so easily affected by emotion, stress, upset, or too much pizza. (laughs) Remember the foundation of God's Word in Jesus' Name. Watch out everybody that in creating an Ishmael, because when you create Ishmaels, they can sometimes become Isaac's enemy. That has multiple insights there, if you think about that later. Watch out that in creating an Ishmael, you may be creating uh, an enemy for Isaac. Today, Islam, just so you know, Islam traces its roots back to Ishmael. And God, the Bible says God had a heart towards Ishmael, which reminds us all again, God has a heart towards the Muslim people. God loves the Muslim people and He loves them all over the world. And in fact, uh, what's happening really supernaturally is so many Muslims are becoming Christians around the world and they're reporting that I had a dream and the man in white came to me. And they asked the man in white who he was and he said, I am Jesus. And then multitudes getting saved without anybody preaching them the Gospel. Jesus loves the descendants of Ishmael. And uh, Islam sees him as an important prophet. Everybody, um, they did a quick strategy. Watch out, be careful of the quick strategy. Here's some last thoughts here. Um, Ishmael ultimately represented compromise. As I said, though, God had a heart towards him. Here's some thoughts. Compromise always leads to future unnecessary conflict. Oh my gosh. Take a note. Compromise always leads to future unnecessary conflict. Now that can happen in families, that can happen in churches because people are racing to do something that God never instructed to do. They just were impatient. Doing it God's way leads to future generational life and peace. Doing it God's way leads to future generational life and peace. If you're stuck on that one, get some counsel, get some prayer, don't go alone, get some help. Here's another one. Compromise leads to lingering consequences for ourselves and others. Compromise leads to lingering consequences for ourselves and others. So we need to sometimes go back to the root of a family and the family tree and see what actually, how did we get here? How did I get where I was in life when I became a Christian and then God put Rosalind there? The root of my family was just grief and dysfunction. And I had to learn. Here's one, everybody. Take this. Get, if you're getting a tattoo, write this down on your tattooed arm. Don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. If you had pain and dysfunction, the root of the tree of my family was so unwell. But I watched people going, oh no, mum and dad are doing that, so I'll do it. Oh, they're doing it. No, me too. Yeah, that's what we do. No! If the root of the tree is not well, you need to say, hey, I got to get healed and whole here. And sometimes that requires movement from a family. Soon I had to make a move out in order to get well. In actual fact, that's biblical. Genesis 12, God said, Abraham, leave your mother and father. 
and go to a country I'll show you. He was saying, listen, you need to move from there because I'm not against those people. But he said, but what I'm gonna say and do in your life has nothing to do with them. Minus who's calling has nothing to do with our family. Nothing, nothing. Though I just had had a big family event in Sydney on the way back from Melbourne with my family. Saw some of my cousins I haven't seen for three decades. Awesome, but I had a big dinner. Awesome, got, that, got nothing to do with my calling. But I had to look at the root, of the root of the tree and go, this is so unhealed, so broken, so rejected, so unwell. Jared, don't repeat it. <laughs> because compromise leads to lingering consequences for ourselves and others. If you've made mistakes, everybody, ask God, and you know you've compromised, ask God to forgive you and then get the tattoo, non-repeat. <laughs> ask God to forgive you and then get a little non-repeat. I'm not repeating that again. And say, Jesus, help me now to move into something new. God doesn't hold our mess ups against us when we confess them to Him. God doesn't hold our mess ups against us when we confess them to Him. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a mess, had a messy past. He, in actual fact, he was a con artist. Jacob in the Scriptures is a con artist. He's deceptive. And I'm like, Lord, why don't you, why would you even associate with this guy when I first read about him? I'm like, he's just deceptive. And then I realised, no, no, no. God is showing us His character in that he doesn't hold our mess-ups against us when we confess them to Him and when we come to Him. Everybody, you haven't gone too far. You're not too far that God can't forgive you. Moses murdered an Egyptian after he saw him attack and kill a, a, a Hebrew. And God still used him. And in actual fact, how amazing is God's grace towards you and I that when we mess up and say, Lord, I'm so sorry I messed it up, that God says... When you ask for forgiveness, I throw your sins as far, listen to what the Bible says, I throw your sins as far as the east is from the west and I remember them no more. We, he forgets them. <laughs> so give God your mess up, give it to Him. And remember that God is so loving and so incredible that He even says, hey, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and even Jacob. God bless everybody. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.